to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Executive Pastor Kendall Laughlin. For more messages and resources, head to allpeopleschurch.org or download our free All People's app. All right, good morning. Hey, who was able to attend Freedom Day yesterday? Probably a few of us in here. It was amazing. God was healing people. What an encouraging time. I'd encourage you to check those out if you're able to. Well, as Pastor Robert said, I'm Kendall. I'm our executive pastor here. My wife, Shelly, in the front row. Uh, three children in the other building and children ministry right now. And our dog, Pepper, and our cat, Chicken, are at home. And that's another message. But um, I want to dive in with a little family story this morning. Last year for my son's fifth birthday, he was really excited about the day and where we were gonna go to dinner, and so we let him choose, and he chose the restaurant Ruckers. Not my first choice, but we went to Ruckers because it was his birthday, and he was very excited about it. And I think the reason my kids were excited about Ruckers really wasn't because of the food, it was because of the arcade games. You guys have seen these games where you put in quarters and you, you know, play them and you get to do different things. We almost never give them quarters, but they typically play on the car game and pretend that they're playing the game and don't know, no no one's the wiser, right? But because it was his birthday, we gave him four quarters and we said, we're gonna get you uh, an opportunity to play one of the games. And maybe you can remember just really quick, your first memory regarding money. I'm pretty sure this is gonna be my son's first money memory. Tell you why in a second. He he took his first quarter, his four quarters and he went straight to the claw game. You guys know these games, right? Uh, there's, yeah, exactly, right? There's a little joystick with a red button. You put the quarter in, you move it around, claw goes down, nothing comes up, right? Like one in a million, you never win the claw game. And so here he is, background story. For about a year, my son has been asking, begging really, for a reindeer plush soft toy. And he got this idea the Christmas beforehand, and I was kind of hoping he would forget about it, but he just never let it go. I mean, the night before Christmas, the previous year, I was out at CVS looking for reindeer toys. They were all sold out, but he, he remembered the, the reindeer toy. That's important for this story. Back to the claw game. So he puts in his quarters, he's moving the claw around, hits the red button, goes down into the pile of toys, and then, you know, I'm expecting a birthday disappointment. But somewhere way down within that pile, I heard a, and it pulls up a reindeer plush soft toy. I had not even seen it in the pile. I immediately turned to him, this is a birthday miracle, you know? And we are so excited. We're thanking God for the miracles. We eat our cheese fries at Fuddruckers. It's awesome. So then uh, a few months ago, we went back to Fuddruckers, and anyway, he got some quarters, and he's thinking about the quarters every time he goes to Fuddruckers now. And we did the claw game, moved the joystick, pushed the button, goes down, nothing, right? And there was that immediate frustration, that immediate disappointment. Hey, it worked last time, and I was kept trying to explain to him, it doesn't work every time. Like, that was a miracle. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's taking him a little while to get it. I, I know it's a silly story, but really it it actually encapsulates the two emotions a lot of us feel about finances. Sometimes we feel like we won the claw game, right? We push the button, it goes down, it's our lucky day, right? Kind of like Monopoly, tax error in your favor. You drew, you drew a great card that day. It's exciting, it's a season of blessing, you know, you have what you need, maybe more. And other times it's like that other day, you know? You hit the button, another disappointment, 
another bill you can't afford, you know, a struggle with debt, a housing issue, something breaks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, we all come to a, a conversation about finances um, in, in different places. And so I'm, I'm really excited actually to, to talk today about the five mysteries of money and finances. Because uh, as we do that, my heart for you is that you would grow in the finances that God has given you and your faithfulness to the Lord. Um, this week, as I was preparing for this message, I read through the Proverbs. And when I did that, I put a little dollar symbol next to every proverb in the Old Testament that referred to finances. And I counted them at the end. What I counted was 131 proverbs in the Bible that refer to our money and finances. Isn't that amazing? You know, God has so much wisdom for us in this area. And as I was preparing my talk, I wrote down, I said, the five principles of money and finances. And then I started to think about that word principles. Okay, what does that really mean? So then I looked it up. It was an interesting definition. I want you to, to see that word, the word principles. I think we have a slide. Principle, a fundamental truth or proposition that serves as the foundation for a system of its belief, not relief, but or behavior, or for a chain of reasoning, a natural law. Principles are natural laws that govern our world. You do this, you get that, right? That's a principle. It's something that's explainable and understandable. But then as I... As I started to think about that word, I thought, you know what? We actually need more than just good financial principles. We need God's supernatural power in our finances. You know, you know we live in a city and a state that's actually in a lot of financial trouble. It's a lot of financial chaos. You know, the median house right now in San Diego is $600,000. I mean, wow, you know? Um, the, the income to housing ratio here is the, is the second worst in the nation. You know, people are spending over 40% of their income typically just to have a place to live. That's why one of the reasons that homelessness is so prevalent. There's very little financial education in our public schools. Some schools, zero, none. And we, we live in a society that is under financial pressure. And I, I think that principles, I just think we need more than that. And God reminded me of this proverb, Proverb 11, uh, Proverbs eleven ten, When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. But I want to highlight, when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. You know, that word prosper, it can be a scary word in church. Some people have really abused that word. Some churches have abused that word. Uh, think of it this way. Think of the word prosper as the word abundant increase. When the righteous abundantly increase, the city rejoices. You know, the Bible has a list of people that prospered. Abraham, Joseph, the nation of Israel, Joshua, David, Solomon, Haggai, Nehemiah, and Job were all people who were described as having prospered under God's blessing, they experienced abundant increase. So for our city to be transformed, this is actually what needs to happen. Righteous people need to prosper, and then the city will rejoice. So I'm excited about talking about finances this morning, not because the church needs to be blessed or whatever, it's because I want you to be blessed so our city can be transformed and people can look to righteous people and they can say, wow, there is leadership there. There is grace on that person. What, what is their message? What is their lifestyle? How, how are they functioning? 
Because after I looked at that word principle this week, I looked at the word mystery, and I thought, that's what I'm going to call this message. The five mysteries of money and finances. Look at the definition for the word mystery. Something that is difficult or impossible to understand or explain. A religious belief based on divine revelation. That's a good word right there. So the question for us is, do we want our finances to be governed by principles, by natural laws, where we can always explain the outcome? Or do we want them to be governed by mystery? Do we want to be blessed in a way that is difficult and impossible to understand or explain so God gets the glory? Can I get an amen? Are you tracking with me? So, so let's look at the five mysteries now of money and finance. Will you just pray with me as we kind of dive into these mysteries? God, I pray you'd prepare our hearts for this message. And I'm just asking that each person here would just leave us something specific from you. God, some specific revelation for you, from you regarding their finances. In Jesus' name, amen. So imagine for a minute, you are part of the people of Israel. Okay, you're part of the people of Israel. You are enslaved in Egypt. And, and this is your world. First of all, you own nothing. You're slaves. So your property is not yours. You live on Pharaoh's land. You sow and you reap Pharaoh's crops. Pharaoh would kill, rape, take away whatever he wanted to, any family member, any possession. You had no temple or church to worship in. You had no hobbies to enjoy. You had no days off. Your life was working as a servant for Pharaoh, and then you died. Very depressing existence, right? I think I understand why the Bible says the Israelites were groaning for freedom. And then God answers that groan. He brings a deliverer, right? The Bible, his name is Moses. And he, he goes to the people, and he leads them from owning nothing from being slaves, and he gives them a promise. He says, you're going to come into the promised land, you are going to have an inheritance. You had no inheritance. Now you are going to have an inheritance. And here are some of the promises of the promised land. Rather than working all week, you are going to only work six days a week. You are going to get a blessed day for yourself to rest and enjoy. You weren't working for Pharaoh anymore. Rather than having been surrounded with idols and profanity and just the, the Egyptian culture, God said, don't make any idols in this land. You're gonna have no other gods before me. I'm gonna lead you. I'm gonna be your king. And rather than owning nothing, God's saying, you're gonna inherit this land. It's gonna be full of milk and honey. There's gonna be new wine, like the song said, okay? It's gonna be a great place. And as part of the arrangement, God said this, I am gonna be your king. And in the ancient times of Mesopotamia, you can go look at other ancient texts. What people would do is they would pay tribute to the king that led them. They would give them 10% of their income. And so God said, I'm going to be your king and you are going to pay tribute to me. And we're going to call that a tenth, a tithe. And that topic is introduced in Leviticus 27, 27 verse 30. The tithe of everything from the land belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. So God said, I'm going to take the tithe that belongs to me, and you are going to live under my blessing. That is the mystery of tithing. The first mystery we're going to talk about in terms of finances this week. Proverbs chapter 3. This, I was reminded of this as I read the Proverbs this week. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then, it's an if-then statement. Honor the Lord. Then, 
your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will be brim, brim over with new wine. Okay, sorry, I really like that song. So I like the message version of this scripture, if that different version of the Bible, it says, give God your first and your best. That's the heart of tithing. God, you deserve the first and the best of my day. You deserve the first and the best of my week. And you deserve the first and the best of my money. That's the heart of tithing. You know, in the Bible, Abraham tithed, Jacob tithed, Israel tithed. Jesus told the religious people of his day to tithe. And that's because, as Joel described in our offering, the tithe belongs to God. It is holy to the Lord. That's why Malachi 3 says we're robbing God if we're not offering our tithe to him. But here's the amazing mystery of tithing. Even though God says, hey, you, sh you should tithe. Even though Jesus reiterates that, even though Paul wrote to the New Testament said on the first day of the week, take up the money as the collection for the saints. Even though it's expected of us as believers, God still blesses us when we do it. It's a pretty good deal. And so we see it here in Malachi chapter three. God says this about the tithe. He says, test me in this. Test me in the tithe and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. There's the first blessing, the floodgates of heaven. Who would want an open heaven over their life? I'm not even sure everything that that means, but that sounds pretty good. Okay, and pour out so much blessing, there won't be enough room to store it. So that's a promise of abundance. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. What's that? that that's a promise of protection. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops. You got some crops in here. And the vines of your field will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. What's that? That's a promise of divine timing. That you're gonna walk in God's divine timing. Then all the nations, there's a promise, the nations, we're passionate about that in this place, aren't we? Will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land. Wow. I kind of view it like the show Shark Tank. You present your business, you go up to the front, and you know, the deals are rarely that great. And there's that one guy that kind of has his slimy deals, Mr. Wonderful, I actually met him in an airport one time. But he, he, he kind of, you know, negotiates things and gets his percentage. But look at it this way. For 10 cents on the dollar, you can have the most benevolent, wisest, wealthiest CEO in the universe as the senior manager in you incorporated. To me, it's a pretty good deal, right? I'm happy to give up my 10% to have him watching over me. The mystery of tithing is this. We give 10%, but God blesses 100%. That's the mystery of tithing. And you notice when I read the blessings of tithing, I didn't say riches. Isn't that interesting? You know, a, a lot of times people equate, equate that, but here's the promise of tithing. It's not the promise of a nice car or a certain kind of house. He, there, there's nothing wrong with those things, but that's not what it promises. This is what it promises. And the land that I'm giving you and the assignment that the Lord is giving you, you will have abundance, protection, grace, blessing, and influence. So we all have a different assignment, but whatever our assignment is, as we tithe, as God becomes the senior partner of our finances, there's something that comes on our divine assignment to accomplish the will of God. Yeah, I have a scripture that describes that, uh, a slide that describes that meaning, but the mystery of tithing is this. As we give 10%, God's blessing comes on our 100%. God taught my wife and I this early in our marriage. 
I had a, a SUV and the starter just kept going out and just constant starter. Every time we did it, $270, $270. I just kept replacing this starter. And uh, meanwhile, we were both working full-time. We had college debt, and we were living very simply, and we were starting a new life group on a college campus. People were coming to the Lord, but we were buying so much pizza for this life group. Like, I don't even know how many Little Caesars pizzas I was buying each week. And so we were investing money. Things were tight. So then my starter goes out. You know that day, we're like, well... You know, we got to figure out how to get the life group. So we go there. Remember, the starter is $270. And that night, unbeknownst to us, not even knowing the need, our life group had taken up an offering of $300. And that was a lot of money for those college students. But here's what I love about it. $300. The first 30, who did that belong to? God. That was the 10%. And the 270 paid for the starter. Isn't that amazing? You know, the mystery of tithing. And I just want to invite you on that journey of asking God to train you and teach you through tithing. One guy said tithing was the training wheels of giving. I can't explain it. I don't want to explain it because I want the unexplainable mystery of God's blessing in my life. And I know that you do too. Okay, here's another key verse on finances I saw from the Proverbs. One person, Proverbs 11, verse 24, one person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I really like that scripture. I referred to the message version earlier. That's in the message. It says this way, the land of the generous gets larger and larger. You know, you want to have a big life, have a generous life. That's how it works in, in God's kingdom. And, and this word, one person gives freely, yet gains. That mystery that word gives freely in the Hebrew is the word pazar, P-A-Z-A-R, pazar. And it's the word used for scattering, scattering seeds. And we see the same concept in the New Testament. Second Corinthians 9, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. And through us, it will produce thanksgiving to God. 2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 12. This verse highlights the, the next mystery of money and finances, the mystery of sowing a seed by faith, the mystery of sowing seeds. One thing we have to remember is the Bible was an agrarian book, right? Most of the people that were reading it were farmers, and I know we kind of have the farm to table thing going on at a lot of our restaurants these days, but really like we're pretty removed from, from farm life in our society. But you know, one thing God revealed to me in an area I needed a breakthrough in recently, he said, when are you gonna stop praying for fruit and when are you gonna start planting seeds? I thought, wow, the mystery of sowing seeds. A farmer would never go out to a field, extend his hands, put on a Bluetooth speaker, worship and to say, corn, come. He would never do that. He would go plant the corn seed, right? He would plant the seed. And while he was sowing, he would be praying, God, bring the increase. God, bring the multiplication. Let this be a good prop. Will your protection come over this place? I kind of view my field as my life and it's in God's kingdom. So the rent on that field is my 10%. That's my tithe. But what I sow, the seed I sow into that field, that's up to me. Yeah. 
That's what God invites us to do. A tithe is a debt that we owe. It belongs to God. An offering is a seed that we sow into our financial future. The mystery of sowing seeds. God really taught me this. My first job out of college, I had a a corporate job at a computer company. It was a sales job, and my rent was $100 a month, okay? It was in Waco, Texas, and it was before Waco was cool. So um, it was actually a converted housing project. It was a rough place, but anyway, it was $100 a month. And Shelly and I were dating, and, you know, we had that look in our eyes. It was time to get engaged. And so I was saving up for an engagement ring, got my first bonus, my first bonus check at this job. It was $550. And um, the previous summer, I'd had a different job. And I had gotten a bonus check and I had spent it all on a new car stereo system that had gotten stolen a week later. And so, you know, God was teaching me like, hey, where are you investing your money, right? And so I got this, this bonus and I thought, I'm gonna sow this as a seed. And so what I did was I sowed that into someone that had a need. I gave it anonymously, I gave it in cash. I didn't even get a tax write-off. But I, I hid it and I gave it to them, even though I had a need. I had a need for an engagement ring. I had a need for this or that. That was five months rent for me. Like, that was a lot of money. And you know when I left that job about 10 months later, I was the number one salesman in my division. And I just believe God's blessing fell on my work there because I sowed a seed. The mystery of sowing seeds is this. God gives more seed to those who sow. God gives more seed to those who sow. So think of it this way. Whatever I need, I'm gonna sow a seed. So if I need friendship, what do I need to do? Be a friend, sow a seed. If I need encouragement, what do I need to do? Go find somebody, encourage, pray for them, give them encouragement. And yes, if I need money, what do I need to do? I need to sow a seed by faith. And here's the amazing thing. God says you'll be enriched in every way. And so we have permission to ask for a return, right? So oftentimes I'm praying, I'm picturing a seed that I sowed. And I'm saying, okay, God, I'm cashing that check now. Lord, I need your provision in this area. Lord, I've sowed this. Lord, I'm asking for the return. God gives us permission to ask for a return. The mystery of sowing seeds. It's pretty cool lifestyle if you get into it. It's really fun. The mystery of stewardship, our next mystery, or good management of our financial resources. The mystery of stewardship or good management of our financial resources. Proverbs 27, verse 18. Whoever tends a fig tree will eat its fruit, and he who guards his master will be honored. Whoever tends a fig tree will eat his fruit. Again, that agrarian thought Trees have to be tended, right? You can't just plant something and leave it alone. I was talking to a friend this week that has a, has a little vineyard in um, Ramona, and he said he pruned uh, 380 plants on his little vineyard, and then he looked up, and he just said, okay, God, it's yours now. That's an example of the mystery of stewardship. We do our part of good management and hard work so God can do his part of blessing us supernaturally. One of my favorite uh, parables of Jesus is Matthew 25. It might be familiar to you, the parable of the talents. And I kept looking this week to figure out the exact value of a talent in today's uh, modern times. And I saw $1,000 and I saw a million point two five dollars. So somewhere in there is the value of a talent. But just for the purposes of this sermon, let's say it's a million dollars, okay? So here's the story in Matthew 25. 
Again, the kingdom will be like a man on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Okay, pause. That's the character of God. He has entrusted his wealth to us. What's the first thing he entrusted? The gospel, right? That thing that angels and prophets for thousands of years have longed to look into, the the message that transforms lives. He's entrusted that to us. And yes, he's entrusted us with financial resources as well. And this is what it says. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. Another, one bag. Each according to his ability. God will never give you more than you manage. That's what you want. We want to grow in our stewardship. Then he went on his journey. The man who received five bags of gold went at once to put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now, when I start to think about this as a million dollars, actually, it makes a lot more sense to me because I would be tempted to go dig a hole in my backyard and hide a million dollars if somebody just gave it to me, right? Nobody else in here is tempted to do that. Well, I am the lame servant, okay? And I bring this message to you today. Um, No, I think everyone would deal with that, right? Like, oh, this is mine now, you know, hoarding that. But you guys know the story. The man that was given five talents, he made five more. The man that was given two, he made two more. And the man that had one, he went and he hid the talent. And the master comes back. And the master replies, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I had not sown? There's that sowing thing again. And gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should put my money on deposit with the bankers. So when I return, I should at least receive it back with interest. Right? At least beat inflation. Put it in the bank. Come on, man. And Wow. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even when they have, will be taken from them. You know, God blesses our stewardship supernaturally. The mystery of stewardship is this. Those who steward well are supernaturally given more. Isn't that interesting? Those who manage what God gives them well are supernaturally given more because God sees that faithfulness. That's integrity, that's hard work, that's living simply. God looks at that and says, here's someone I can trust. I'm gonna start supporting them. I'm gonna start getting behind them in their calling and in their gifting. And you may say, hey, that's all long good. I, I don't have much money. And this is what I love about the kingdom is God will use whatever we have. Yeah, I like that story with Elisha and the widow's oil, and God is multiplying that oil. And then Elisha looks at the widow and says, what do you have? So what do you have that you could steward well? You know, I was was going on a mission trip after college, and I felt like the Lord had directed me to go to Indonesia. It was about a four to $5,000 investment. And wow, it really changed my life. And I'm so glad that I did it, but I I didn't have the money to do it. And uh, different ones in my life were not supporting that. And so I didn't have money from them. And, you know, I sent out some letters that kind of crashed and burned. (laughs) So I didn't know what to do. And I thought, okay, what do I have? What can I steward? I said, well, I know how to make websites. And so I spent two weeks at a job, just cranked out as many websites as I could. And God provided the exact amount of money I needed to go to Indonesia. You know, God will bless you as you use what you have. So if you have a financial need, don't hold back until you have it all in your account. Put in what you have. If you're in debt, don't hold back. 
Put in what you have. Start paying off the debt. Move forward and God will provide more. Money comes to those that keep it moving. I remember Jeff Mitchell, I, I was texting with him about finances this week and he said this, money is like manure. It's best if you, if you spread it around. So I thought, hey, there you go, Jeff. Another farming story. The next mystery of money and finances um, the past week, uh, there's a picture actually, our staff got to go to this place called the Dream Center. Have any guys been to this place, the Dream Center? Oh my gosh, absolutely amazing. It is, it is a ministry on over a city block in the Los Angeles area, about over eight acres. And they minister to those in need. There's over 200 ministries that are based in this place. And just to give you an idea, they, they house over 500 homeless people. They feed 1,500 people a day. There's a prayer room. There's a gym. They have other properties that take people out of human trafficking. And one of the stories I love is when people are arrested by the L.A. County police, the police give them a choice. Do you want to go to prison for 10 years or would you like to spend 10 years in the Dream Center? Hey, Steve, that's a great way to grow our school of transformation. So, um, but wow, I mean, the city, when the righteous prosper, right? The city rejoices. And so incredible favor. And so I'm, I'm over the finances of the church. And so w- whenever I'm at a ministry, I thought, I'm always thinking, okay, what's the bottom line here? You know? And so we're on the tour and I kind of was able to have a private moment with the tour guide. And I said, so what's, what's it cost? You know, what's it cost to run this place? You know what she said? $850,000 a month, <laughs> over $10 million a year. You know, I thought about that, but immediately God brought this proverb to mind. Proverbs 19, verse 17. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. Yeah. You don't have to have every answer for every person's life. You don't need to know exactly what to do for each situation. We can get so lost in the theories and all the different philosophies on this, but This is what it says. If you're kind to the poor, you're lending to the Lord. And I think that's God calls us, how God calls us to live as believers. This is the mystery of blessing. The mystery of blessing. The mystery of blessing is this. When we bless what God blesses, he blesses us. When we bless what God blesses, he blesses us. Uh, Allow me to explain. Um, When you touch God's heart, with something that is precious to him, he releases resources to accomplish his will. For example, just the Dream Center. We, we were there um, and uh, Ben Carson, the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development had been there earlier that day taking a tour. Like the federal government is coming to learn how you transform lives from this Christian ministry. There was a man that moved to LA to take over a a historic church called Angelus Temple. It's a great church where there was moves of God for years and years. He went to go take over that church and his words turn it into a, you know, a super large church. And you know what? The church shrank and eventually he had a service where no one showed up. (laughs) That's depressing. (laughs) And, and you know what? That led him to partner with the Dream Center. And you know what happened? That church is up to 9,000 people now. When we bless what God blesses, he blesses us. So here's how I remember it. Um, You know, I I think there's three things that are really on God's heart. Of course, God loves all of us. We all are just so cherished by the Lord, but there's three ways we can really minister to him. The last, say the last, say the lost and the least. The last, the lost, and the least. So here's, here's the last. 
You know, there are people on earth who have never heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Like, and I'm not talking like you have a neighbor that hasn't ever been to church. Like we have that in San Diego. This area is actually less than 1% church going. But there are actually countries where you can go into and there's not even written resources. There's not television. There's not radio. There's nothing. Like they have no hope. Like if we believe that Jesus is hope for all peoples, they don't have it. And what I found is when I get behind the last, when I start to support the unreached peoples of the earth and support them and missions and prayer, God blesses me, right? The lost, you know, God's heart is for the lost. I, I had a fun time at my son's a Christian school on Friday talking about the lost. And, you know, these kids are getting to be raised in a school where people learn about Jesus, but so many people aren't. And you know, one group that God has put on my heart these last two years are actually the lost tribes of Israel. You know, there's a lot of promises in the Bible about blessing and praying for Israel and God releases blessing as we do that. Genesis 12 is a great example. The least, Jesus said it so clearly in Matthew 25, what you do to the least of these, you do to me, right? So when we bless the least, not controlling the money, not trying to manipulate someone or make them do this or that thing. But when we just give out of the heart of God, out of kindness and grace, like God blesses that. And it transforms lives. I mean, I think of that story of Les Miserables, right? He gets the candlesticks from the priest. And the priest looks at him and says, with these candlesticks, I have purchased your soul for God. I mean, what is money when we can use it to bring people into the kingdom of God? Amen. I mean, let, let's keep it moving, okay? When we bless what God blesses, he blesses us. I was part of a business in Texas where we set aside a percentage of our income each month and we gave it to the lease. We gave it to some, a women's rehabilitation ministry. We started that business and three years later, that was the number one store out of several hundred in the state. And 42 people had come to Christ in one year in that business. When we bless the least, God blesses us. Okay, so we've got tithing, we've got sowing a seed, we've got stewardship, we've got blessing. Here's our final financial mystery today. The mystery of God's favor. Anyone need God's favor in their life? Proverbs 22, verse one. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches and favor is better than silver of gold. Favor is better. Favor is what? we need, the grace of God to empower us, even beyond resources, favor brings God's good success to accomplish his will. I love what the Bible says about Joseph in the Old Testament. It says, the Lord was with Joseph and therefore he was a successful person, right? We are successful in our jobs, in our families, in our neighborhoods, wherever, because God is with us. His presence is the delineating factor, amen? So, I love uh, God's favor. I love that thought. And uh, maybe you're familiar with the Christian financial coach, Dave Ramsey. I like to listen to his radio show sometimes. And people call him. They always say, how you doing, Dave? And I love his answer every time without fail. Anybody know it? He says, I'm better than I deserve, right? He understands God's favor. He's doing better than he deserves. God's favor, is, there's a little formula for it, actually. I think I have it. Um, kind of looks like this. When you have high input and low results, you're under a curse. We don't wanna be that, right? When your work equals your results, that's reciprocity. That's just you know the law of hard work, right? When we put in, we're gonna get out. But we have God's favor operating our life. We get our input, 
but we get God's results. And that's what we want in our work, in our finances, in our families, and in this church, amen? We wanna be people of God's favor. That is how this whole building project has happened, the light project, according to God's favor. I mean, we got an offer to look at land that we didn't even know about. The lands, the, the offers were already in, so we weren't supposed to be, make a financial offer. Wasn't zoned properly for a church, so there was that. And just door after door after door, God has opened doors of financial favor, of governmental favor, and people are just taking on the cost. Hey, favor is better than riches, the Bible says, right? I mean, God will provide the money for the land, sure, but we need God's favor as we move into our promised land as a church. Just one quick story as we close. Uh, Ben, you can come up. You know, we were in some college debt, my wife and I, and of course we worked hard, stewardship. We would give seeds, we would do those things. But there was an amount, a five-figure amount that we just could not knock off. And I was in ministry and things were getting tight and I just couldn't do it. You know, I'm talking about the mystery of God's favor. And in the middle of that journey, uh, there was a church actually in rural Arkansas that kind of adopted us. I don't know why, we never asked them to do it. They put our pictures up on the wall said, missionaries to California. And there was her pictures. And I guess they think California is another country. I don't know. But anyway, so they prayed for us every Sunday in their service. And then right at the time we needed it, God had spoken to me a two-year window. And then that two years would be debt-free. Two years to the month, some members of that church sent us a check and paid off our college debt. Isn't that amazing? They didn't even know. That's God's favor that God would move into our life. Listen, I don't know about you, principles are great, but I want the power of God operating in my finances. And I wanna embrace God's mystery. Will you stand with me? And we're just gonna sing a quick song. And as we do that, this is what I'm feeling for this service specifically. I wasn't planning on doing this, but I just feel like there's some people that need to surrender their finances to God's mysteries. To say, God, I haven't been able to do it on my own. Whether it's $1, a million dollars, it doesn't matter. But I need your favor. I need your blessing. I want to embrace your mysteries for my finances. Is that you? I just want to invite you to come to the front now and get on your knees. We're just going to pray as a group over you. Just come now. I just feel there's some people that need to surrender their finances to God. People are going to be moving all over the room. You just respond to God and do your thing. I love that song, New Wine. I came here with nothing, but all you have given me. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. God, we surrender our finances to you today. Will you pray with me? God, we surrender our money. God, we surrender our work. We surrender our income. We surrender our savings. We even give our debt to you, Lord. You said it was paid in full on the cross. Lord, we we give you everything we owe and everything we make. And we come to you this morning with a heart of surrender. God, in the crushing and the financial pressure, even in this place that we live, God, we are playing, praying that the righteous would prosper so this city can be transformed. Father, in Jesus' name, we're asking, Lord, not just for a blessed church or a great building, but blessed families all over this church, Lord, that are taking ground for the kingdom of God in their finances. And we give you our brokenness. We give you our wallets. In Jesus' name, amen.